This message is sponsored by Life Touch Massage. For your next massage service, call us at 205-718-5144 or visit the web at www.lifetouchal.com. Remember, relief is only a touch away. Good morning. So, this morning we are recording from ATL, Shawty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we're celebrating spring break with the kids, so while they're still asleep, we took this as the perfect opportunity to go ahead and do our podcast for the week. Yep. So, Miss Tiffany, how is your week going? It's going good. I'm glad to be off work. Um, I think the older and older I'm getting, I'm realizing that I value flexibility and being able to choose what I do with my time a lot more. Um, I personally enjoy working. I like working. I don't necessarily think I like working for a job. I've concluded that. Um, But I enjoy um, helping other people in what I do on a day-to-day basis. And I think that um, with age and maturity, I'm recognizing that I am more entrepreneurial in spirit and that I value my time. So I am enjoying reclaiming my time and getting to choose how I invest my time right now. Mm. Cool. How's your week going? It's going good. So, I've kind of been off from doing massages for going on the second week. The first week, I wasn't feeling well, so I couldn't do massage. So, you was forced to take a break. Uh, I was kind of forced to take a break. <laughs> and um, But it was all good, though. It was stressful because I didn't, I didn't like it. But at the same time, it was... Um, I guess a, a much needed break on my body um, but you know feeling a lot better now going into the second week um, and I'm really enjoying this week you know waking up late and something that we don't get to do <laughs> and ever. ever and it just feels good mm-hmm. <laughs> you know we got this nice little Airbnb um, in Atlanta <laughs> They kind of trick you because they don't give you the address until like after the fact. To after the fact, <laughs> so it kind of reminds us of, of home because we kind of still in the hood, but mm-hmm. it's in a <laughs> but it's in a nicer house. So, um, so we're in the like regentrified area of Atlanta right now, an area that's being regentrified. So you have you know some hood houses and then you have some nice houses and. It's pretty cool. Right down the street from Slutty Vegan. So if y'all know what that is, uh, we want to try it out. But we passed by there and the line was like, line like we. around the corner. <laughs> so uh, hopefully we'll get to try it out today. Yeah, that's the goal. I think if we go closer towards when they open, because I think they had been open for a few hours, but they open around four. So I think if we strategize, because I really, really want to taste how her vegan burgers taste. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, trying to get myself back on on track with my eating, so I can, you know, lose this excess weight and get finer. Get finer. Finer. 
All right, you ready to get into this week's topic? Let's do it. Let's do it. We're two self-care experts. A massage therapist. And a licensed professional counselor. Husband and wife and parents of three. Business owners and working professionals. Who have intimate experience with stress both professionally and personally. Our podcast aims to teach the everyday professional. How to live through the stresses in life. While learning to be their best in life. What's up, what's up? I am your host, Tiffany Story. And I am your host, Lamar Story. And you are listening to Living the Stressed Life. Um, and this is episode 11. I think last time I said that was episode 11, but I recognized after recording that that was episode 10. So Maybe we just need to stop saying numbers. Possibly. Yeah. But last week... This is another episode. <laughs> Of living the stress life. Yes. So last week we talked about um, the stress that comes along with working with your spouse, mm-hmm. alongside your spouse. And that led to a lot of, I think, dialogue between you and I, um, which really got me to thinking about um, a different aspect of stress that comes when you are an entrepreneur, um, that comes to the relationship. And so this week we are really talking about how different money personalities impact marriage. Um, you know, statistics, there are a lot of different statistics out there, but there's, um, a lot of statistics show 50% or higher that marriages end in divorce due to money Mm. or differences in money. So you're saying there's different personality or money personality types. Yes, mm. there's different money personality types. Um, and I think a lot of us are aware of that, but we don't necessarily actually give it a title, you know, or like really think about it in terms of this is a personality type. We just think we do things differently or, we, you know, we make those type of statements, but really it boils down to a difference in personality when it comes to spending. And so this week we're really going to be talking about um, the five money personality types. Um, I came across this excellent article um, by Scott and Bethany Palmer. Um, it's this couple based out of Colorado that really gives a lot of tips and um, I guess you can say counseling or I don't know, but I don't think they're life counselors, but what is it? Coaching. Mm-hmm. A lot of coaching around how to work through um, money issues as a couple so that you're more successful and that you are not one of those statistics. But we also pair that along with some good suggestions that Dave Ramsey, everybody knows Dave Ramsey is the money guy. He talks a lot about um, being financially and fiscally smart. Um and so we're going to give you some some suggestions, I guess. Yeah, some insight and some suggestions from both of these articles that we've read. And what we want to do is kind of, first of all, break down the money personality types. So they actually gave these personalities labels. Yeah. Which when we read the article, we was like, huh. They also have a test that we'll put a link to in um, 
on our on website. Our, on our blog so that you guys can take the money personality test if you so wish to. To find out which... So they say each person has two different uh, money personality types. Yes. So they have a primary and a secondary. So um, break those money personality types down for us, Miss Tiffany. So there are five um, personality types, money personality mm-hmm. types. You have the spender. You have the saver. You have the risk taker, the security seeker, and the flyer. And so what we're going to do is kind of briefly break down what those types, uh, what those types look like. Some of them are kind of self-explanatory, like the saver and the spender. Like, you know, we know what that means when we hear it, but we'll kind of break down a little bit about what the features are, characteristics are that's associated with that particular money personality type. So the saver. Um, the saver is someone who um, gets a genuine rush from saving money. They take pride in it. They're more responsible and organized and trustworthy when it comes to money. And they rarely spend impulsively and they avoid credit and debt. Um, this article says like head lice, which yeah. is serious business if you think about how uh, head lice uh, spread and how quickly it's contagious. Yeah. I kind of like this article too because it also it breaks down the personality types, but it also gives you each personality type something they need to be aware of yes. when they're in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So savers can also be a joy stealer. So it says savers can say they could be so tight and sometimes really cheap. Penny pictures. Penny pictures that. If, the, if your partner wants to go see a movie or wants to go on a vacation, they're like, no, we can't afford to do that because we got to do this, this, and this. Or, no, we can't do this because we got... So, they label them sometimes as a joy stealer, mm-hmm. you know. So, you got to have some kind of, of compromise. Also, they can be very obsessive about money. So, they love to talk about money. Um, they love to think about money. And... The, the love of talking about money and obsession with money can actually be annoying to their partner. Um, and, I, and as we said before, um, they can be very cheap when it comes to things. <laughs> yeah. So if you're a saver and you're married to a spender or someone who likes labels and someone who likes um, the finer things in life, he means labels. He means like brand names. Yeah, brand names, and they might like to experience the finer things in life. Savers probably won't be with that too much. <laughs> no. What's our next personality type too? So the next personality type is spender, um, which sounds kind of self-explanatory again. But a spender is one of those people who live in the moment. Um, sometimes they struggle with impulsivity, meaning they buy impulsively. Um, they love to buy things for other people. Um, they just get great joy out of spending money and treating other people and they get a thrill from the purchase. It doesn't matter if they're shopping for grass seeds. I know that I'm a spender. I tell people (laughs) all the time, I like, I can enjoy shopping for paint. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like it's. I love, 
And it's not even so much, I think, the spending. I also love a great deal. So I do love a great deal, but I love to be able to to do things for myself. Yeah, and it's funny because you get this look in your face. <laughs> we talked about this before. Like, if you're having a bad day, the perfect thing to do for Tiffany is take her shopping. Right? Even if it's for grassy. It could be for anything, though. That's crazy. It's like, <laughs> we ain't going to be shopping for, <laughs> for, like she said, for paint. And then she get this look on her face like, when you get in the store, her face just lights up. I'm like, Lord. <laughs> I told her about this years ago. I was like, your face just light up when you buying stuff. <laughs> I was like, I think that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the things to be aware of if you're married to a spender. So spenders can be impractical. Like she said, they're impulse buyers. They can just walk into a store without a list. And they'll just buy off the store and let them, right? Sometimes they can be non-communicative. That means that they don't always know, let their partner know what they're going to buy. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes they don't know what they're going to buy. <laughs> so they don't really <laughs> communicate what they're going to buy. They just go and, and buy it. Um, <clears throat> um, they can be budget breakers. So sometimes you can have a budget, like you're on vacation, but like, this is what we're going to spend. But then when you're on vacation, it's like, all right, that's out the window because <laughs> I ain't know I was gonna see this. You know what I'm saying? I ain't know I was gonna see this dress. I ain't gonna. I ain't know I was. I didn't know I wanted to do this while we was on vacation. This went on the website, so <laughs> <laughs> we gonna do this too. <laughs> so uh, let me say this, and I had to think about this, like process this when I was taking the assessment, so I could find out what my um, budget or my money personality type is but even though i'm a spender i i typically have in my head what i want to get you know what i'm saying like me and you kind of talk about this all the time like i'll get frustrated when we go to the mall because you'll go to the mall with no idea you just know you want something three thousand <laughs> yeah you and just won't find nothing three thousand you i ain't up. buying and me Tired i'm dressing more like so. these breakables <laughs> I'm more so the person I know exactly what I want uh -huh. when I get there. And I know where to go to get what I want. For one, because I shop. Mm -hmm. um, I do my homework. And so, even though I'm a spender, I'm not so much necessarily an impulse buyer. I've thought about what I want. The impulsivity comes for, like you said, well, I didn't know I was going to see this and want this too. Yeah. So, I know what I want. I have a plan. I know what the budget is for but then I'm also, it's difficult for me to turn down a sale. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like, if this is on sale, I saw that I wanted this a few months ago and it was like $90 and today it's 20 I feel the need to buy it mm -hmm. at $20 because I didn't want to pay $90 for it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I think I'm a little bit more of a blend. But yeah. And one thing I noticed about me is that I don't shop a lot. Right, but when I do buy stuff, it's big and impulsive. Yeah, so it's like a new iPhone or a truck. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not like like I don't shop a lot. So in my head, I was, you know, I, I've I've added up all those dollars that I didn't shop. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, okay, it's time for me to buy a truck. <laughs> and Lamar really likes electronics. I remember a few years ago, you had a tablet. Yeah. 
And then you showed up one day and picked me up from work and you had a tablet and you were so excited about that. And I'll never forget the look on your face when I was just like, why the hell you bought me a tablet? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was just like, and you Dang. never really use it. Where I, is that tablet? You got it. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No, I do not. Then it's in my drawer. <laughs> <laughs> but Somebody getting blessed with a tablet when we get back home. <laughs> but I think it just really goes to show that sometimes if you're not aware of these personality types, mm-hmm. how there can be conflict that arises from them. Let's let's keep it moving. So the next personality type is risk taker. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so with them take my money. Ooh. <laughs> with a risk taker. Yeah. Um that sounded better yesterday. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. With a risk taker, um, they're considered conceptual thinkers. They get excited by possibility. It's not always. Um, they get more excited about the idea of something more than the thing itself. And by the time that thing plays out and they've gotten their return, they don't move on to the next thing. They love finding the next adventure. Um, but they also kind of listen to their gut. It's more than a conventional wisdom. Risk takers trust their intuition. And if it doesn't feel right, then they won't do it. Um, but if something strikes them, then they move on it. I think this is is really one of your personality types. Yeah, I do too. Because it's, it's like, especially when, like now, I think I've grown into that. You know, Let me add one thing though. Okay. It says that risk takers aren't afraid to make decisions, and this is the one I think does not apply to you. But I think that's changed too. I think by me being an entrepreneur now, some of the things have changed from business to personal. Like for and on the business side, I think I'm different than on the personal side, right? Okay. So on the business side, I feel like I'm not afraid to take risk. So I'm like, I think we need to open up another spot. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm so comfortable with that. You know, it's just like, I, you know, I won't tell everybody our future plans right now, but, you know, we're in the process of opening something else. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, I think it's time to do that. You know, so I think on that side of it, I'm a risk taker because it's kind of, but it's kind of already thought out, you know, and I feel like we have enough backing and enough support that people will support it. It's still a risk. Any entrepreneur knows that when you delve into something new, you're still risking. It's still a risk because you're risking some finances and in hopes to gain more than what you risked, right? Yeah. So I do think I'm not afraid to make those type of decisions. You know, and this personality type, I think, is a struggle for um, the other personality types if you're more of a saver. Um, we're the next personality type that we're going to talk about, um, which is the security seeker. If you're a risk taker, being a risk taker and a security seeker, you can see why those two, um, conflict. But I think the hard thing about being in a relationship with a risk taker is they move on to the next new adventure. And I think in our relationship, that is so true. Like you'll think about something and we'll get the ball rolling and it's like, once you feel like that ball is rolling, sometimes you be like, on to a new invention. You know what I'm saying? It's like, hold on. Like, can can we finish this one all the way out? It's like, I, I, I'm i done. 
That's the key. And see, we kind of talked about this in the last podcast. It's like I need, I feel like I'm supposed to be rich, right? <laughs> because, like, the ideas that I have are rich people ideas. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like the, they keep coming and they don't stop. So I need somebody to implement those because I need, like, other people to do it. You know what I mean? It's just like, hey, this is the idea I have. Do that. And then I need somebody else to take on the other one and just keep going. And I think eventually that will happen. And I think, I mean, this is a discussion for a different podcast, but um, we could have an in-depth discussion about that there are different, the difference in personalities when it comes to that. You have visionaries, implementers. There yeah. are people who function really well in a space. Yeah. You have and some I'm a people. visionary. You definitely yeah. are a visionary. I think you come up with a lot of great ideas, but if they were left for you to implement, yeah, they would all be. just be ideas. Right. Yeah. So I definitely think that, um, like I said, that's a, a, a podcast discussion for another time. But I do think that's something we should talk about. Yeah. Um, because if you're a business owner, I think that's really important, recognizing where your strengths and your weaknesses lie. Right. You can have a great vision and you might have all the details in your head, but how do you get that from out of your head and into the real world? Right. So the next personality type is security seeker. Um, this was one of my secondary personality types. So I took the assessment. My primary was spender. We talked about that. But my secondary personality type, um, money personality type, was security seeker. And security seekers like to know that their money matters are settled and that they're safe. Um, they're all about low-risk investments, quality purchases, um, things like hefty insurance and secure retirement. They're investigators. They never invest in something that they have not done homework about, homework in. Um, they're trustworthy, so they rarely put their futures on the line. That means they're unlikely to gamble away your retirement plan or insurance plan. Um, they would rather do without today to sacrifice for the future. And they're prepared for anything. They're never caught without a plan. And so me and Lamar kind of went back and forth because he was reading and he was like, do you really think this is you? And I'm like, yeah, I always have a plan. I have a plan A, plan B, plan C. Like I'm a person who's always thinking long term. So even though there's a part of my personality, I think that can be very impulsive. Um, I, I consider myself not as much anymore because I think being married to my husband has... <clears throat> grounded me a little bit but i felt like when i was younger i was a little bit more free-spirited to that to this a certain extent i'm still a free-spirited um but he's more of the risk taker and i'm more of the security seeker and i think um we've talked about this over and over again but in relationships opposites attract and i think that's just the way that god designed us to function is we're attracted to somebody who's opposite of us because if we are married to the person that is exactly like us it could be a very dangerous catastrophic situation think about if you were married to another risk taker though you know because somebody has to be able to think through the other sides of it. but if you guys think and function the same it's mm -hmm. hard to see um potential barriers or obstacles along the way and some of the things to be aware of the security seekers is that uh, sometimes they get nervous about taking financial risk. Mm -hmm. um, so you, if you're um, married to a risk taker, 
um, secure the secret might stifle that a little bit. Mm-hmm. They might stifle the creativity of of the risk taker's mind. So they might say, hey, maybe we don't need to do that right now. Or maybe we don't need to purchase that house, you know, or whatever. And the, the risk takers, like, they feel like they missed out on something because the security secret says, you know, no, no, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> security secrets also get stuck in a research rut um, because they call it analysis paralysis. They just have a tendency to just make sure the opportunity is foolproof. And then, like he said, they can stifle creativity. Mm-hmm. It um, says the challenge for the security seekers to resist making decisions out of fear to know how much security is enough. Yes. And over time, that need for security can become also consuming. So you have to stop looking at the possibilities for the future and stick with certain certainties. The, so was that all, all the part? No, the last one is flyer, which oh, okay. I, I, don't, I don't know why I don't quite understand this one. Um, so let's talk about the flyer money personality. Basically, this person is I don't understand in this one. I mean, I do. But let's I, talk about it first, then. Okay, yeah. So, the flyer is basically content with their life. They could be dirt poor or super rich, um, but as long as they have control over their decisions or their own choices, they're happy. They're focused more on relationships and connections with other people, Um, so they often put relationships before money, and they're happy to let someone else take care of their money. And they're not motivated by money. But I think what was odd about this one is it says they have no real emotional connection to money. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to believe that people don't have an emotional connection to money because you have to have a certain level of connection to money in order to be secure. And that might just be my security. security. Exactly. <laughs> because you have, see, money is energy. Okay. So money, money is energy. So depending on how much charge you give that yes, money, Dr. Phil. <laughs> <laughs> and how much is how much energy you give to it. So you have people who live in huts, people who live very minimalistic lifestyles. Yeah, uh, you're starting to see that more often though. Yeah, like even with the um, what's the new thing, the little houses, the tiny houses, the tiny houses. Mm-hmm. People are like, man, I can just have me a little piece of land. I can have me a little piece of land, a tiny house, a dog, I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know, I can farm, I could, uh, not farm, but I can um, grow my own food. I can, you know, have the very minimal. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to live up to the standards of everybody else. I'm trying to live like the Jetsons. I don't need to have an iPhone. I don't need to have an iWatch. I don't need to have an iPad. I don't need to have a BMW. I don't need to have a Subaru. Okay. You know what I mean? So it's just... To them, it's all about, like they said, building relationships. I've met a lot of people like that. I and I think I think I might have a little of that in me, too. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, in my head, um, I think because we came from, I don't want to say poor, but pretty much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We came from, you know, poor background that I would like to experience the other side to see how it feels to to actually have things and take my family on vacations and be able to go places when I just want to. But it's all about a level of freedom, though. When you really think about it, it almost seems like I want to be a flyer. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to get to the point where I don't have to worry about money, mm-hmm. but because I got it, not because I don't have it. You know what I mean? So it's. And I don't. I. I I don't think it's safe to say that a flyer doesn't a person who's a flyer does not have money because there's a lot of people yeah, who yeah. have money and I and think that's flyers. the thing yeah. though I think culturally it's a, a big cultural difference mm-hmm. like we me and you kind of joke before about white people not having enough danger in their life and that's why they're always a lot of white people are always seeking. Um, adrenaline rushes like jumping out of planes and hiking and skiing down mountains mountains. as we as black people just growing up in our communities depending on where you grew up is a risk just walking to school is a risk you know what I'm saying and so I think culturally um, in our country and I would say around the world this is seems to be the case there when you're a person of color there's a lot more stress, environmental stress, and a lot more, um, we grow up in a lot more dangerous situations or dangerous environments. And I think that a lot of white people are used to financial security. More white people are, are, are financially secure than black people or, you know, Hispanics, um, just depending on where you came from. So I'll just say people of color. And so I think that when you've grown up in a place where you're financially secure, You've never had to stress about money so that you don't have to have a certain emotional connection to money because you've never had to worry about it. Whereas if you come from a place where money has always been limited for you, you have to grow up very conscientious of money. And so I think that if you really investigate these money personality types too, it will really be connected to upbringing and background. Yeah, and I think that's very important because if you if you are brought up poor, but your family valued more relationships than money, they didn't really stress out about living in a shotgun house. They appreciated the shotgun house, took care of it, um, and just did everything. They, I mean, they loved their house. To them, that was their tiny home. Mm-hmm. So they might have been a flyer. But it's all about your perception and how much energy you give to the things you actually have. You know what I mean? So Yeah, because just because you grow up in a household where your parents are flyers or don't have a, a connection to money don't mean you will grow up that way. Because you have a lot of kids who've seen their parents struggle, and that is the motivating factor for them to be financially secure. Mm-hmm. So despite their parents creating a space where a relationship was put over money, the children or a child, you know, can grow up and still focus like I don't ever want my parents to have to worry about anything because they may felt like the parents were settling because that's all they had. Yeah. You know, so I think I, I think you can go so many different ways. I mean, it's so deep because you can even go into family roles, you know, depending on what number the child is or if it's an only child, those that role you play in the family uh, is really connected to that. So, um but I think overall, looking at the, the personality types, money personality types, is a huge component when you talk about a marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, because for that example that you just gave, growing up and your parents tried to create this space where money was not the, the main focus, but if you grew up feeling like because my parents struggled, 
I got to be financially secure. And then you marry someone who likes to blow money, it can really cause that relationship to end. So let's talk about what Dave Ramsey says about, or what he suggests in terms of uh, money issues or managing money in a relationship. So Dave Ramsey states that there are seven big mistakes couples make when it comes to their money and their relationship. Okay. So number one is that they keep separate bank accounts. Um, I know so many people who do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I even suggested it for ourselves. But um, so in this article, Dave Ramsey was talking about completely two different bank accounts. They split like, bills. I don't, they split the bills, but they have separate accounts. And the other person don't know how much the other person has or what they're doing with their money. I disagree with that, mm -hmm. just like Dave Ramsey does. But what I do agree with is having a joint account that all the money goes into. Uh, say if you got direct deposits or whatever, all your money goes into that account. Then you might have separate spending accounts. Mm -hmm. So, like, you may have, if we say, okay, Tiffany, you take 150 a week, I take 150 a week, and we put it into our two separate accounts. Mm -hmm. Whatever you decide to do with your 150 is cool. Whatever I decide to do with mine is cool. Yeah, but we see what's but coming in. But we see what's coming in. Because, you know, because Tiffany's a spender, her 150 a week only lasts one week to week. <laughs> mine may last for a year, but I might spend it at one time because I bought a truck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So... Um, I think those are healthier ways to separate. If you're going to have separate bank accounts, you still need as a, you need to work as a couple. So the couple needs to see how much money the the couple is bringing in together. I can see this being a problem, and I actually know some couples who function like this. It's like an extended. Is it called going Dutch mm -hmm. when you're dating and both people decide to split the the, the ticket? Or mm -hmm. split the cost of the date. It's like an extended going Dutch. But I, I think the issue for me is what's underlying. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because if it's like, okay, that's your money. You get your check. You pay this set of bills because this is what you can afford to pay. And I pay these sets of bills. To me, there's either a level of distrust there yeah. or somebody, whoever's adamant on keeping the money separate, mm. either does not want to share the money or they have stuff that they're doing that they're engaging in that's not, they know their partner wouldn't agree with. Yeah. So I think. You if, see how I do the willow ad libs in the background? <laughs> on the red table <laughs> the red talk. Red table talk. Mm. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so I yeah. think that uh, if you are in a relationship and <sighs> you would like to <clears throat> do things more as a couple, but your partner is adamant, maybe that there should be some type of deeper discussion as to why. I can definitely person. see that though. Because mm -hmm. I had a friend of mine who was, they're divorced now, but they were married. <clears throat> but he used to have a separate. I think I got a couple of people I know, not necessarily friends, but um, they had like separate accounts mm -hmm. that their spouses or you know significant others didn't know anything about. And I was like, why though? <laughs> you know, if we really think about it, like why? Why do you have to go to that extent mm -hmm. to somebody you're married to, especially you're married to, right? Mm -hmm. Unless there's something going on there, like you said, a deeper issue. Now, knowing in in uh, relationships where there's abuse or something like that, that's encouraged so the other person can kind of 
ease on up out of there without having to, you know, so they can have resources to leave that relationship. But maybe there's some other type of distrust there. Yeah. And it could be deeper. It might not even be that partner. It might be a deeper issue or something that happened before that partner or, you know, when they grew up, you know, something they witnessed with their parents' marriage that they needed to have a separate security blanket for themselves. Yeah, just an underlying issue, regardless if it's due to that current relationship or past experience. Uh, Number two on Dave Ramsey's list is they disagree about their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So let's just say that you, in this example, he gives an example of someone who's perfectly content with shopping at thrift stores. All right. They like thrift shopping. But then you're married to someone who likes labels. They like designer shopping. So <laughs> those are two different lifestyles, That's you know. True. So I might like driving a little putt-putt, but you feel like you got to be in a BMW. Mm-hmm. So And that also goes back to Ooh, the money. <laughs> that goes back to the money personalities. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Where you're dealing with a saver and a spender. So all those things are kind of related. So How do you work on that? How, how do you... How do you overcome the disagreement about lifestyle? Well, first of all, that's something that you should notice during the relationship process, like before you get relationship married. Relationship building process. The relationship building process. Mm-hmm. But it, it has to be a compromise, especially before you get married. So I want you to think like, well, I'm going to do this and then get married and everything's going to be better. Mm-hmm. Nah. You got to deal with that before you get married. So it's got to be some kind of compromise. You know, yeah, you like designer things, but maybe let's go to the outlet store mm-hmm. so you can get it a little bit cheaper. You know what I mean? Well, you can find designer things at the thrift store. <laughs> you know, it's so easy now to make your own designer purse. That's true. You know, so um, it just reminds me like of our daughter. She was like, what was it, her Christmas or birthday? She wanted an MK purse. She wanted an MK purse. She didn't even know what MK stood for. <laughs> Right, but just I was like, well, Jada, I said, how how would you feel if you had your own name on your purse? And it just blew her mind. So we got her purse with her with her name on it. Yes. And that blew her mind. She was like, oh, I can get a purse with my own name on it. She just seen everybody wearing MK purses. Yeah. But your name Jada Chanel. That's money. <laughs> So, that's just the way I think. You know what I'm saying? But you should have everybody want to rock your purses. But I also think it's good to, like, I'm big on that. I'm big on not spending money just because there's a name associated with it. I've never been into that. But one, because I like to save money. So, even though I like to spend money, I like to save on the purchases, right? But I also think it's important to sometimes allow your children to have those big ticket items too because it's also about training them to see was this purchase worth it are you really satisfied with what you got when you spent this amount of money um and i'll just tell you Jaden, for example he bought how much was them shoes he bought brand new like 170 dollars like 140 140 um and then he wore them to work and got them really really dirty and then he was looking for a brand new pair of shoes soon after that. He wanted new shoes. But I think the valuable lesson in that too is when you spend your own money, you pay a little bit more attention to yeah. how you care for something. And when you don't, you realize 
this may not have been a good purchase for me. You know what I'm saying? I think it's a valuable lesson in that because we were just like, don't look at us for buying you a pair of shoes. Now, you spent that money on yourself, but you should value what you spent your money on. You know what I'm saying? And so I think, too, it caused him to start thinking about his purchases a little bit more. And I've noticed that he's not going for shoes quite as expensive because he also recognizes he's going to want more shoes and he don't want to do what it takes to take care of a pair of shoes that was $140. And he knows that it's going to be two more weeks before he gets some more money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just like yesterday, we went shopping and he's just like, uh, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially our youngest son. He's but you know what? I think the more he saved, <clears throat> because Jaden used to be the worst one with money. Remember, his <clears throat> money will fly through his hand, but now he has a job and he sees how quick money can leave. He's actually making more wiser decisions. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he's wiser with his finances. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move to number three. So number three is they let personality difference come between them. So couples tend to let personality difference come between them. That's kind of what we just talked about. Yeah, risk taker and security seeker. Yeah, so all those money personalities. How can you how can your relationship survive if you find out your spouse has a different money personality? Again, it comes back down to compromise. If you're the stronger one in the area, so say if you're the you're the financial guru in a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And you feel like you just make all the money decisions. Don't do that, because then you might have that flyer who don't who doesn't have a charge. Um, about money and they feel like they don't want to make those uh, financial decisions so next thing you know you're making all the financial decisions and, and, and that's really not a good thing because you still should share that with the flyer like hey this is what I'm doing this is why I'm doing it yeah. you know what I mean so um, you still want to compromise and share what you're learning or what you're doing because bottom line is it's your relationship it's the both of you guys' relationship. It's not just yours. And Dave Ramsey said something really good about <clears throat> a lot of times the difference in the personality is not the real issue. It's the source of the problem is whenever one person neglects to allow the other person input, mm -hmm. either to hear their input or just allowing them to offer input. So it marriage is about compromise. So even if you have the best decision or the best suggestion, because it is a marriage or it is a union, it takes more than one person to form a union, meaning that the other person still should have some type of input or some type of consideration. Number four. Um, they let salary difference divide them. Yeah, I think this is a big, big one. Yeah. Especially at the beginning of relationships when in the relationship building phase, mm -hmm. I think that um, we, we we see this with a lot of our single associates or acquaintances or friendships. Oh, yeah. You know, especially when they're trying to find someone. Mm -hmm. I like, well, I only want to date somebody of a certain caliber because I don't want to be forced to give away my money or I don't want them having this expectation of what to do with my money. Yeah, so they have a high charge on their money. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, money is energy. So it can have a good energy or bad energy. And I think sometimes when 
when you are that single person looking for someone to be in a relationship with, you have a high charge on your money, especially when you, you feel like, I sacrificed this to get this and this and this and that. And then you're like, okay, I made six figures. Mm-hmm. I don't want to date someone who works at McDonald's or a fast food restaurant, right? I don't want to date someone who has who's making minimum wage, even though they might be a good person. Mm-hmm. You've let the money outweigh the relationship. I think this can also be very true for people who fall in a more security seeker or saver personality type. Because when you're someone who is really thrifty, you don't want someone coming in and spending your money. Or if financial security is a big deal, you don't want somebody who's always wanting to take risks. And I think, so for those personality types, I think this can be a really uh, big area. Is that it's like, okay, well, I've worked to make this much money so that I can have security. And that I, I don't have to stress about it. So I don't want to join with somebody who does not value that same security. But like you said, regardless of what your personality type is about the charge you put on money. But I do think when if you break it down to personality types, I can see someone who is more worried about security and, and safety um, being a person who mm-hmm. is more focused on the salaries. Yeah. And then when they do get in relationships, right? Mm-hmm. So you get married, and I make six figures, and my wife, she may not work, period. You know, well, she's a stay-at-home mom. Or if you don't have kids, she's just she's just an at-home wife, right? Oh, that's so, a good one you brought up. So the, the person who's making the money feel like they have more say-so. So they feel like, any decision that's made is going to be my decision because I'm making all the money, which is a terrible mistake to, to get into into a marriage, right? Mm-hmm. Because we see this all the time with celebrities and all this stuff, the prenuptial agreements and all this other stuff. But even with normal folk, you mm-hmm. see it too. And it's like, well, I'm making all the money, so no, we're not doing this. And Dave Ramsey states that once you get married, you're one. Mm-hmm. It's not my money supposed or what's anyway. supposed to be. It's not my money or your money. It's our money. Mm-hmm. Right? And you should look at it like you're on the same team. We talked about that too in our last uh, podcast. But you should look at it like you're on the same team. Mm-hmm. So you always have to respect the other person. Even if they don't make as much as you, if they don't bring any income to the home, when you're married, it's now our money. And you have to respect their say-so as well. I think you just gave some really great examples, though. I think... Um, this can be a real big issue when you have a couple who want, um, the mom is a stay-at-home mom or dad because there are stay-at-home dads and I think we don't pay attention to stay-at-home dads as much. Um, that That is not valued. That role as a stay-at-home is, is not valued as much uh, in society. But there are guys who sacrifice being at home to, to raise their children and a lot of people look down on them and, and women who bring home the money can act just like a man who brings home mm-hmm. the money. But I also think you just gave another example about being on the same team. If we break down, uh, uh, break that analogy down or, or give an analogy, like no one likes being on a team with a ball hog, right? Mm-hmm. No one likes playing on a te- team with someone who thinks that they should be the only person 
that is in control of how that team operates, right? Right, right? So even though if you're on a basketball team, a point guard, their role is not to make all the shots, right? Or to always be the person to put the ball on hold. Their goal as a point guard is to help the team by leading the team to get that that point. They just happen to be also very good ball handlers and they can think through chaos, right? Mm-hmm. Um but when you have someone who all they do is play for themselves or play by themselves, everybody on the team wants to move that person off the team. They can't really fully appreciate them. So I think it's the same thing in a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, you can value what the breadwinner does for the household. But it's still a joint effort. Yeah. Another mistake that individuals and or couples make, um, financial mistake that couples make, is that um, they commit financial unfaithfulness. This goes back to number one, like having the two separate accounts. Right. Yeah. So um, I personally know of a situation like this where it's a relationship that um, one of the um, the members in the relationship actually went and like filed bankruptcy mm. without the other person's knowledge. Wow. You know, so that 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 caused a big rift mm. in their relationship, right? Wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but financial unfaithfulness. So doing things behind your partner's back. Um, so that's not the only you know, when you think of unfaithfulness, you think of like, okay, somebody going out cheating you, whatever. But you also have this financial unfaithfulness where you might have a shared vision, right? But then the other person, they got a, a bank account on the side that you don't even know about. And you find that out. You're like, whoa, what is this? What are all the thoughts that would come through your head if you find out I had an account <laughs> on the side that you knew nothing about? I don't know. I, I, I think it just, like like I said earlier, it goes to a deeper underlying issue. Um, and I think that trust is trust. So even if it's, you know, Dave Ramsey gives the example, that's like committing a financial affair. Mm-hmm. And when we think about affair, it's basically, affair deals with the most vulnerable part of the relationship, right? Letting someone else in it come between the relationship well when you do things like that like big financial decisions that ultimately impact the, the spouse's future or security that is a huge blow if i have to find out about it you know from someone else and i think about people who commit fraud you know people who do things like embezzlement that that can be considered um, financial unfaithfulness because you've involved me in a crime because I'm your spouse. I'm connected to you. And a lot of times people assume that the spouse knows. You know what I'm saying? Um, So I think that's an example that comes to mind. It's just not spending or making financial decisions like purchases. It could be actually engaging in financial crimes. Yeah. And then, you know, not to go that deep with it, but one thing you can do to kind of get back on on the... um, get back on terms with each other after your spouse finds out mm-hmm. about your side account and just open be open and honest with it. Because I I know of some moms who actually teach their daughters to keep an account on the side. You know, it's just like sometimes it's the way that you were brought up. Yeah. You know, and, and there might have been issues where her mom had 
and she's passed that on down to her daughter or vice versa the son you know yeah passing it down to the you know to the father passing it down to the son but i've heard of some instances where it's actually encouraged by the parent to keep an account on the side just in case yeah you know and you need to you know if you're in a secure relationship have that conversation with your spouse to say hey I was keeping this money on the side just in case. I feel like we good. You know, this is just the way I was brought up. I didn't mean to be dishonest about it. Here it is. Here's all the accounts. Even if it's a credit card. I think one thing, too, people don't realize. Credit cards and store cards. Mm -hmm. People don't really look at that like there's some separate money on the side. Mm -hmm. It is. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because you might get a... A card and an offer in the mail. Be like, oh, okay, I'm gonna sign up for the loft. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, okay, I got this loft account, but you know, it's a credit card, so no biggie. Mm-hmm. It is a biggie. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because you might have ten thousand dollars worth of debt on your loft card mm-hmm. that affects both of us. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think people need to be open and honest about all accounts that you have. And I think the credit card thing is a big issue because people don't think about that one. They be like, oh, we got a joint bank account. But like, yeah, but you got like three credit cards that your spouse don't know about. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that impacts that your total up to like thirty, forty thousand dollars. You know, it's just like That's a lot of debt. Got, side yeah. debt. That's yeah. a lot of side debt. That's a lot of side debt. <laughs> <laughs> what, hold on, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> side debt. <laughs> All right, moving on. Number six. They let their expectations get the best of them. Yeah, that's one of the big dividers between couples and money. So you get into a relationship and you got all these expectations about your financial goals and they don't happen. Mm-hmm. Or you feel like you get married and you're supposed to move to this big white house with the white picket fence and, you know, two kids and a dog and everything is going to be paid for and you're not going to struggle for anything. And sometimes it don't always work out like that. Mm-hmm. Um so things happen. And sometimes people's expectations can ruin a relationship before it even gets started. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get into a relationship and you're like, oh, we in an apartment? Why are we still in an apartment? Are we supposed to get married in this apartment? Are we about to have a child and we still in this apartment? You know what I'm saying? So that could cause things to go wrong when besides that, there might not be anything else wrong with your relationship. I think this one is a big one for me too because um, like Will Smith said like expectations are like the queen of disappointment I might have paraphrased that wrong but that's how I see it like I'm a person that has to really manage expectations I have high expectations of myself and um, I think a lot of times I transfer that to other people and sometimes those expectations are not spoken you know what I'm saying Um, but I'm also one of those people who my love language is acts of service. And so I do a lot of things for other people and have the expectation that people are going to return the return that gesture because that's the way I communicate love. And when you're talking about personality types, love languages, it's just another, you know, it's just another uh, uh, category, another way of reframing or rephrasing personality types right um or differences labeling differences but 
um, I think this one is a big one for me. And mm-hmm. I think this one has been a, a huge challenge in our relationship because we have very different expectations of each other and of how situations are going to turn out. And so I can see why this one could get in the way. So um, did we talk about how, how you're supposed you to work on it? Uh, <laughs> uh, have I not met your expectations? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm oh, just, okay. I'm just, no, there are times where you like miss the mark. Like, yeah. All right, I'm completely. Have to make them marks, so I'm going to retake them tests. Come on, <laughs> So, did we already talk about, give a suggestion on how to, I can't remember. Okay, let's just move on to the next one. They let the kids run the show. So, sometimes, and I know someone like this too, it's just like your, your child. Whatever they want, you get them mm-hmm. without talking to the spouse about it. Mm-hmm. And everything's expensive these days. These days, like a PlayStation Four or an Xbox, and all these video games are expensive. Mm-hmm. You might pay seventy dollars for one game, mm-hmm. and you're like, uh, "Where'd that come from?" You know what I mean? So I'm guilty of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I take my my kids are really good about saying, "Dad, can we go to GameStop?" Just I mean, I'm like, "For what?" <laughs> you know, they were like just the look. It was like, all right, he come back, he come back and two, three video games. <laughs> so I said, well, he did do good in school. So, <laughs> well, you know, he, you know, we got to get well, him some. Well, the kids out seeking, and you find out they done been in the cheesecake factory because they supposedly don't feel good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, sometimes, you know, in a relationship, you can let the couples, uh, I mean, the children, run the show. Which can be a no-no for the relationship, especially when you don't communicate what's going on. And I think that goes beyond just financial things. I think that if you take away just the spending of money and look at before kids are big enough to start spending money, I think you can really start evaluating this when children are small. You know what I'm saying? Like... Things like it really is time for the child to have a nap there on a certain schedule. And one parent is adamant about that child taking a nap, but the kid is fighting sleep. Well, just let them stay up. You know what I'm saying? It's just always, you know, just letting them get away with this. Letting them take an inch here. You know what I'm saying? So I think that if you're really wanting to see, can this potentially pose a, a, a problem in our relationship as this child get older and they can communicate their wants and and um, things they desire start looking at it when they're very little before they get to that point like when they're you know one or two like when they're little toddlers and you're able to say well I just gave them this cookie one time even though you you know that the sugar gonna make them bounce off the wall you can start evaluating those little simple sure. behaviors so like Lamar said we're gonna post these these the links to these articles I will try to post them in the um, podcast um, description, but I will also post them on our blog. If you have not went over to gone over to our website, um, www.livingthestressed, that's with the ed life.com, we do post a blog post um, weekly as well. So I will post these links here. Yeah, and I think overall, the message, the takeaway for this episode is that. You marriage your spouse for a reason, right? You both have different strengths and weaknesses. When you come together as one, as a collective, as a whole, you can play off each other's strengths and weaknesses. 
if you allow so. And I think what we have to do is work on allowing that mm-hmm. and compromising. And coming together is one. And I think we can, um, you know, when it comes to couples and money, all of this could work in your benefit when you allow yourself to compromise. Yeah. Takeaway for the day. Yeah. Peace. All right. So, guys, until next time, live your best life. Living through your money stress life. Hello. Hey.